you for listening in on Tent of Testimonies podcast. This is the official podcast of the Tent of Testimonies International under the leadership of Prophet Dr. Fred Akama and Senior Pastor Maureen Akama. As you listen to this and other amazing sound biblical teachings, our aim is to equip you with the Word of God so that you can grow into an effective believer. In today's podcast, we do believe that you will be imparted with the knowledge of God, spiritual truths, and kingdom principles that will positively affect your spiritual life. Be blessed as you listen, and may you come back with a great testimony. The new creation realities. Say the office of the Christ. The word Christ means what? Uh-huh. The anointed one and his anointing. I think you're one of the few people who know that. If you go to any other place and ask them, what does the word Christ mean? They'll tell you it means Jesus. It's the second name of Jesus. It's not true. The word Christ is not the second name of Jesus. It's his office. It's his title. It's his designation. It's the same word as Messiah. Christ is in Greek. Messiah is Hebrew. But it means the anointed one. The anointed one and what his anointing does. What his assignment. Is that okay? But all the promises of God have been promised. All the promises of Abraham were promised to Abraham and his seed. God made a promise to Abraham and his seed. Say Abraham and his seed. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, I think chapter 3. It says it, is not, it doesn't say to seeds as of many people. So the promises of God to Abraham was not to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth. No, it was to Abraham and his seed. His seed here does not mean Isaac. does not mean the natural seed. It means the spiritual seed. The Bible says it says seed as of singular, not seeds as of many. Meaning that seed was Christ. Galatians 3.16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto your seed who is Christ. So uh, the, the promises of Abraham were actualized in Christ. The promises of Abraham were done what? Were actualized in Christ. It is Christ who obtained the promises of Abraham. Deuteronomy 28 lists 
blessings and curses. And these blessings are encapsulated in the promises of Abraham. So God made a covenant with Abraham. And through that covenant, it is, uh, it is through that covenant that the blessing came upon Isaac, the blessing came upon Jacob, and in fact, the Bible says, when the children of Israel cried out to God, God remembered his covenant with Abraham. So the rescuing of the children of Israel from Egypt was not because of their effective prayer. It was because God had made a covenant with Abraham. So in Deuteronomy 28, we get the blessing of the law and the curse of the law. But the law, the Bible says it was added 400 years after God made a promise, a covenant with Abraham. So God added the law. The Bible says it was added because of transgression. So that people can know right and wrong. But the law, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, does not really qualify or disqualify you from the promise of Abraham because no human being can keep the law. What purpose then does the law serve? Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So the law was added as they were waiting for the real seed to whom the promise was made to come. So do's and don'ts It's not really Christianity. Am I making sense? A new, a believer in Christ has not been given a set of rules to follow. A believer in Christ has been given an image to look at. A believer in Christ has not been given a set of rules to follow. A believer in Christ has been given an image to look at. This is because by your very design, a human being is not designed to follow do's and don'ts. You can't. I taught this a while back. I told you, the human brain does not function by words. The human brain doesn't think in words. Is that okay? Good morning. 
ama nimezoea watu kurukaruka wabusia nyinyi mko cool sana mko cool you almost standing into ice a human brain does not see words a human brain sees what images say human brain sees images say human brain sees images a human spirit operates in images a human spirit does not operate in uh, words for example if i tell you please go and buy me mandazi in your head you don't see m a n d a z i in your head you see what the image of a mandazi even though i'm speaking words what you are receiving is an image Is that okay? Even though I'm speaking words, what you are receiving is what? An image. That's why prophets say I see. The Bible says the word of the Lord which Jeremiah the prophet saw. So the Lord spoke word but Jeremiah saw. The word of God is seen. Because your human spirit does not operate with words. It operates in images. Say here. Say my spirit cannot receive words. It can only receive images. That's why God speaks to you in dreams. That's why because you don't know how God looks like when God wants to come to you, he has to take an image, mostly mine. because you have never seen his photo have you seen god's photo look at your neighbor now you have dadu bizimukira bala bayanda masuzimai ndundi palokanisarade so when god wants to speak to you he has to acquire an image from somewhere and use that image to pass a message to you when the devil wants to obliterate your life he also does the same that's why spirit wives are real they are real wives they are, they are not some uh, imaginary thing somewhere it's just an image that came to you but it's a spirit spirits husbands are real please stop stop having fun with those things it's not fun you can say it's just a dream it's not just a dream in the spirit is reality the thing happened abazama yana dozekaya this is um a deep teaching they'll give it in small doses i won't do a long teaching at once small small get a concept here a precept there something there and we move forward say my spirit can only understand images This is why you must meditate on the word of God. 
What is to meditate on the word of God? To take the thing you're reading and turn it into an image. Turn it into a format that your spirit can consume. Have you tried to download something and then your phone tells you the format not supported? So most of the things you've been doing with the word of God, format not supported. Because you're reading that thing and because you know the meaning of what you're reading, you think you're, you're, you're saving. You're not saving anything. Is that okay? Until you click save. Until you click what? Save. And clicking save spiritually means, can I turn this thing into an image form? So you stop what you're doing, close your eyes, and see it. If you can see it, then it has been saved. If you cannot see it, then even though you know the meaning of what you have just read, you have got nothing. Your spirit has not eaten. Spirit ejacula, because your spirit eats the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth. So you must be able to turn what you're reading into an image. For example, by his stripes, I have been healed. Sit back and say, what exactly? I am healed, right? Close your eyes. See yourself healed. Let it settle down that I am healed. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I am healed. The devil is trying to make me sick. It is the devil who is struggling to make me sick. I'm not struggling to get... My healing is not far there. I'm trying to bring it to me. No. My healing is inside. It is the devil trying to convince me how I'm sick. And he shall not succeed. In Jesus' name. God can only give you what you can see. He told Abraham, as far as your eyes, part of the Abrahamic promise is that as far as your eyes can see, that will I give you. So Abraham was told to see and look at the country. You, you don't have to go outside. You can sit in your room and see everywhere. Say here. This way meditation is prayer. Meditation is what? Prayer. There's a place you reach. Even if they take away all your money, you cannot be poor. Because you moved. You did what? You moved. Eventually, money will find you. Because money knows those whom it belongs to. Uh, you must be rich before you have money. Money, what is money? Say money is a measure of value. Money is a measure. It's what we use to measure what is your value. Is that okay? So what you have, it shows us what you are. Is that true? But 
If you have become something, even if the money is not there, that doesn't mean you are not that thing. Eventually, the measurement will have to balance. It will have to what? But if you're poor, even if we give you money, because your value is zero, the money will disappear. The measurement has to, to balance now. Say, I might not have cash now, but I am not poor. I have moved into my place of plenty in Jesus' name. So as far, God will give you only as far as your eyes can see. Your spirit will determine what you see on the outside. What you are is what will appear around you. Your life is not affected from the external in. It is from the inside out. The Bible says from the, uh, the, from the heart comes the issues of life. And the Lord said to Abraham, after he had separated, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Once you have seen it, it is yours. Say, once I see it, it is mine. Once I see it, it is mine. The Bible says the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. What I have seen, my children start from there. Then they begin to see their own. What I have seen is their inheritance. Is that okay? Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So your spirit can only support image format. I think generation Z, X, they understand this. Z1. It can only support image format. Because of this, your spirit cannot understand. The spirit of man cannot understand what? Negatives. A negative statement is not processed by the spirit of man. You are, no, you are never created to be negative. You are behaving like I've never taught you this before. The word N-O-T, not, 
is not processed. Your spirit cannot process the word not, N-O-T. It can't, but it's very designed. Because it works in images. The word not will produce the opposite effect. Thou shalt not, you, you understand, all the law is in the negative. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But the way you're designed, you can't process that. I normally give a common example. Uh, wet paint. Have you seen those signs? Wet paint, do not touch. What happens? <laughs> Is it really wet? People always test. Why? Because people don't see do not touch. What do they see? Touch. Because of image. If I tell you do not touch, what is happening in your head? You see the picture of a person touching and this is what you do. Is that okay? Because you operate in images, you can't process a negative statement. You will process the opposite thing. They are here. Usikojoe hapa. I normally give that statement. You had no intention at all. You were minding your own business. You didn't want at all to do anything. Then you see the sign. And immediately, the urge to... So what they intended to do, they produce the opposite effect. The Bible places, Apostle Paul says it like this. What I want to do, I don't do. That thing which I don't want to do, that is what I find myself doing. He says, I was a, a good Christian without the law until they introduced the law. And the law killed me because it produced the opposite effect of what it was saying I must not do. Romans chapter 7 verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. So trying to psych yourself at the end of every year. I will not smoke. I will not smoke. I will not. This is futility. This won't work. You'll smoke the mong. Because you are trying to overcome by the law. So where there is no law, there cannot be transgression. The police cannot arrest you for exceeding speed limit if there's no limit. You can only be arrested where they have put a limit. The law brings about trap, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Am I making sense? You cannot be tempted where there is no law. What you don't feel guilty about cannot tempt you. Okay, maybe this teaching is for mature people. 
The devil could only tempt Eve with the fruit. The devil could not tempt Eve to go kill Adam because God had not put a law on killing. The only place where there was a law was to do with the fruit. And that's, that limited the area of temptation. limited it. So the only temptation that the devil could offer Eve or Adam was to do with the way there had been a law. Thou shalt not touch this fruit. That's the only place. There was no way the devil could tell Eve even though that would have been a bigger crime. But there was no law there. So there was no temptation. Say, understand. So, because of your design, you cannot process negative statements. So, because you cannot process negative statements, the law could never bring life to you. Because you could never keep it. The law could never bring righteousness to people. Because people could not keep the law. Because the law is negative. So the Bible says, the law was like a schoolmaster. To bring us where? To Christ. The function of the law was to prove to you that you need a savior. The function of the law to do what? To prove to you, to bring you to the end of yourself. And God ensures that every time you think you're now such a good Christian, no, me, I've matured, I have overcome these things. The body of Christ with your nonsense. God should use mature people like us. You try that the following day. God tells you, you are, you are not, you are, hey, you are just starting in this thing. Galatians chapter 3 verse 24 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us where? To Christ. The law was placed there so that you know you cannot keep it. So that you run where? To Christ. When the apostle said, I am defeated. Please, this thing, ab initio, before we start, I'm already defeated. So that the justification that we have is through what? Faith. Do you understand? Do you understand? This is why we say when you want to be born again, we confess Jesus as Lord 
and that God raised him from the dead. Why? If Jesus is Lord, then he has no sin of his own. If God raised him from the dead, it means he died because he took my sins. If he was raised up, then they must have dealt with those sins. He couldn't have risen if he had not dealt with those sins. If any of them was remaining, he could not have risen. Say I hear. So we say, if you confess with your mouth, Romans chapter 10 verse 9, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why do you have to believe that? Why can't you believe that he did miracles? You have to believe one thing, that God raised him from the dead. Why? Because the only reason he died was by, for my sin. My sin was put on him. That's how he died. Because the wages of sin is death. So if he rose again, it means somehow those sins were finished. Is that okay? That's why I believe Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if he's been raised from the dead, I am justified. I don't have the sins. The Bible says he was raised up. He was killed for our transgressions. He was raised when we were justified. Jesus was killed because of my transgressions. He was raised up because of my justification. If I had not been justified, he could not have been raised up. See, Jesus died for my transgressions. He was raised up because of justification. Put that scripture. It shall be imputed to us to believe in him who raised up Jesus, the Lord, uh, the Lord uh, up Jesus, our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 24 to 25. So if you had not been justified, Jesus would still be dead because he carried your sins with him. Am I talking? So the fact that he's alive, it means that your sins are not, it's not being counted on you anymore. They're not on you. This is good news. This is good news. And this is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is this. The gospel is so powerful. The Bible says, because in it, a righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The power of the gospel is that it tells us how to be righteous by faith without having to follow the tenets of the law.
So Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Greek, first to the Jew, and then to the Greek. So how is the gospel powerful? Because in it, a righteousness of God is revealed, coming from faith, and then leading to faith. You cannot have faith until you know you are righteous. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. What is the power of God? What is the power of God? The gospel of what? Christ is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Question, how is the gospel powerful? The next verse tells us, verse 17. For in it, in what? What is the it? For the gospel of Christ. For in this gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Can you give me the amplified? It says the righteousness of God is revealed that stems from faith and then leads you to have faith. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Say, I am the righteousness of God by faith. When you know you are the righteousness of God by faith, then now you have faith. Let me show you this, eh? The Bible says, him who knew no sin was made to be seen for us so that we might be made into the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus knew no sin. Is that true? Is that true? Do you doubt it? Say Jesus knew no sin. He didn't sin. He didn't have his own sin. But God took my sin and put on him. So at the cross of Jesus, there was an exchange that took place. Eh? God took your sin and my sin and put on who? On Jesus. So Jesus became sin without committing a single act of sin. So it is possible for God to make somebody sin without him sinning. Is that true? Who was made sin? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for who? For us. So Jesus didn't sin. 
He knew no sin at all. But God took the sin of another who had done millions of sins and put on him. Is that okay? Can we believe that? Is that believable? Is that possible? Good. If this is possible, then the other bit is also possible. Where God takes righteousness and gives to someone who has never done any single act of righteousness. You can't believe one and then you don't believe the other. It is the same scripture. It says God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So the same process that made him sin also made us righteous. So a righteousness that comes from faith. And when you have received this righteousness by faith, this righteousness produces faith in you. Because all the promises of Abraham are promised to the righteous. They are promised to? To the righteous. But if your righteousness is not by faith, it is by law, the devil will always be moving the goalposts for righteousness. The moment you think you're about to attain, he brings one more thing. So you're always chasing, you're always thinking, one day when I become righteous, these promises will be available to me. But today, not yet. I need to fast like that. I need to jump like this. I need to wear something white. I need to put kitamba. I need to boot drums. I need to do something to try and attain more righteousness. I need to go to the bathroom and wash places. Is that okay? What are we trying to do? We are trying to attain righteousness. Without washing your butt, no righteousness. God is so mad. How can you come into my presence? You have not washed butt. Angels, look at this one. It's trying to attain righteousness and butt is not washed. Angels, whoa, somebody must die. Hey. Also, don't leave them there. It's okay. Leave them there. Is that okay? So God says, I'll give you this righteousness as a gift. As what? A gift. So the devil always Anasongesha. When you try, anasongesha. If you wash your butt, okay, wash the hair now. If you wash the hair, put on something white. If you put on something white, wear something on your head. If you wear something on your head, beat drums. If, ah, you never get there. And because you never get there, you never get the promises. Because the promises of God are promised to who? The righteous. But when God gives you the gift of righteousness and you receive the gift of righteousness and you stand as the righteousness of God. Now all the promises of God are within your reach because the righteousness of faith now begins to lead you to more faith. 
So you can now pray and know God will answer. Because you are righteous. There's nothing standing between you and God. Your prayer has nothing to do with sin in it. Because the sin issue was settled. Say so here. You see, when I start praying for people here, you don't see me going inside, oh God, I repent. Please, God, today, just heal two, two, only two. I don't do that. Why? I am righteous. But I'm not only righteous. I am the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means God and I are righteous the same. God and I are righteous the same. God is not more righteous than I am. If you say this in some other places, they'll beat you. They say, what are you saying? Unatuabia nini tunakujua. I say, nini mnanijua kivingine. Mungu uveje munga nanijua nini amjui. So I can stand. You see, your righteousness or lack of righteousness is not before people. It is before God. It is God whom you have to please. David said, against you, against you only have I sinned. Not against the people. The people will... If God is for you, the matter is finished. Because he's the one who answers the prayer. It is not the people. So you must not. Listen. The priest, when someone had sinned, they would take what you call a sin offering. Say sin offering. That sin offering had to have special characteristics. It had to be unblemished, a, a dove of three days or whatever, a lamb of three years. Am I talking? The, without defect, without spot. The priest would examine that offering. He would give to two other priests to examine the same offering, just to make sure the offering has no spot and has no blemish. If the offering was okay, the priest accepts the offering. And the one who has brought the offering is also accepted. The thing that is examined is not the one bringing the offering. Because the one bringing the offering has already seen. That's why he's bringing the offering. We don't need to examine you. We already know. If the offering is okay, the, the offering is accepted. And also the fellow who brought the offering is accepted. The Bible says Jesus was examined by Pilate, was examined by Herod, was examined by three priests, and the offering was found to be without spot. The offering was found to be without blemish. When I go, I am carrying my offering. The Lord looks at the offering of his son. He finds it is clean. It is a lamb without blemish. It is a lamb without spot. He accepts my offering. And me who has brought the offering, I am also accepted in the beloved. I open your life. 
in the precious name of Jesus. If the offering is okay, if the offering qualifies, the offering will qualify itself and will also qualify the bringer. This gives you faith and leads to faith. Say here. So the promises of Abraham, I need to close. I shall continue this next week. The promises of Abraham were made to Abraham and his seed. That seed is Christ. Who is Christ? Jesus asked, Malibado Kusameza Debarit. Jesus asked a question. Who do people say that me, I, the son of man, am? People said, oh, you are Jeremiah. Oh, you are the prophet. Oh, you are John the Baptist. Oh, you are who? He said, but whom do you say that I, human being, am? Then Peter said, you are the Christ. Who is the Christ? The son of the living God. So you cannot be Christ without being the son of God. And the other way around is also true. You cannot be the son of God without being Christ. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. If you are the son of God, the Bible says those who believe him, he gave the rights to be made into sons of God. If you are a son of God, you are Abraham's seed. And if whatever the Bible said, ah, let your life open in the mighty name of Jesus. Let every demon disappear. Let every sickness vanish. Let the Lord begin to move in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. You can't be one without being the other. If you are the son of God, then you are Christ. If you are Christ, then you are the son of God. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, it says, and if you are Christ, then are you the seed of Abraham. You can't be the seed of Abraham without being Christ. You can't be Christ without being the seed of Abraham. You are an heir of God and co-heirs with him. Wherever you are, let everything burst open in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. So we don't preach prosperity because we want to preach prosperity. We preach prosperity because it is your birthright. The son of God died to make sure you get what is your portion. 
So you cannot take it lightly that oh it may come it's your inheritance the same way you fight for your natural inheritance you must fight with everything you have for your spiritual inheritance everything Jesus died to give you every promise of Abraham every promise that is found in Christ it must manifest in your life in the precious name of Jesus and anything standing in your way i kill it from the roots 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 in the name of Jesus we are not it is not to hype you it's because it's your right God died to make sure the barrier of sin was removed so that all the promises can come to you like a flood. Then you find some stupid devil. No, we must stand our ground. We must release every bazooka, every weapon, every bullet. Whatever belongs to us must get to us in the name of Jesus. Whatever is mine must get to me in the name of Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29. And if you are Christ, you see these people are scared. That's why they put apostrophe. They couldn't take it. They were religious minds. So they hid under an apostrophe. Remove the apostrophe. It has a whole new different meaning. Because you cannot, we have just been told what Abraham said is. Is that true? Bible says, not seeds as of many, but seed as of one, which is Christ. Then it says, now you are Abraham's seed. And then it wants to put for us apostrophe. If you are Christ. Then are you the seed of Abraham? Listen. I want to conclude with this. God in Christ has not really given us a covenant. The new covenant is not between me and God. The new covenant is between God and Jesus. That's why Jesus had to be 100% God and 100% man. So that he represents man as man and he represents God as God in the new covenant. So the surety the surety of a covenant is the one who ensures this covenant can never fail is the representative that we have sent that ensures that this covenant is kept the surety of the new covenant is not me is not you it is Jesus the bible says Jesus has been made the surety and the mediator of the new covenant am i talking so the new covenant is not between you and god The new covenant is between God and Jesus. 
So long as God has not failed, the covenant is on. So long as Jesus has not failed, man, the covenant is on. He is the surety of the new covenant, not you. The new covenant does not depend on you. It depends on Jesus Christ. So long as Jesus is sitting on the throne, so long as Jesus has not failed, so long as Jesus is not dead, the new covenant is alive. So how do I come in? God did not leave to us a covenant. God left to us a testament. There is a difference. God left to us what? A testament. God did the new covenant. And Jesus, as the Christ, received all the promises of Abraham. Okay. When you go to court and you win a judgment, the payment is not given, and you win some award of payment, it is never given to you. It is paid to your lawyer, the client account. It is your lawyer who receives the payments. Is that okay? Then your lawyer gives them to you. The court never pays you. The one who fought for humanity is not you, it's not me. It is Jesus. He's the one who won, who won the victory. All the victory was put in his account. Account. Now, Jesus came, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22 says, by so much more, Jesus has become the surety of a better governor. <clears throat> so Jesus, because he collected all the money it is in, the, in his account, he wrote now a will. He says, all this, the, all the promises of Abraham are now belong to me in my office as Christ. Am I talking? But I want to leave it to so and so. I don't, want, I don't need it. Jesus didn't need the promises of Abraham. He's God. Is that okay? But you and I, we need those promises. We need them implemented. So Jesus said, I am going to bequeath to leave all this to my people when I die. So he wrote a testament. He wrote what? A testament. A testament is a will. A will says when I die, all my property goes to so and so, so and so, so and so. So after Jesus wrote the will, he went and died. The Bible says a will in the book of Hebrews, I think chapter 10, chapter 9, says a will is not effective so long as the one who wrote the will is still alive. But when the one who wrote the will dies, that will becomes instantly effective. So we don't have a covenant with God where God will require you to do this and then he does that, to do this and then he does that. We have an inheritance. We, somebody died. To make sure every victory that was won, every promise of Abraham, everything that belongs to God, now belongs to you. Because he died to make the will to become effective. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 17 says, For a will and testament is valid and takes effect only at death. Since it has no force or legal power, as long as the one who made it, is alive. So Jesus said, it is beneficial for me to die and go. Why? Because when I do, 
an inheritance will come to you. That's why the Bible now says we are co-heirs. We have inherited. Listen. You don't work for an inheritance. You appear and demand. You don't work. An inheritance means somebody worked their whole life, built estates upon estates. Then they died, and you are entering into their labor. You are an inheritance of this. You are an, in, an inheritor of the Spirit of God. You are an inheritor of the promises of Abraham. You are an inheritor of everything that belongs to God. You are an inheritor of God Himself. God has to come and live in you. By if God refuses to live in you, Jesus and God were takosana. There'll be divorce in heaven. The Trinity will break. And you don't get it. Because of God's inheritance, you and God are now one thing. Nobody can separate the two. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We are one. My Father has not left me alone. He who has sent me is always with me. You always hear me when I pray. No other prayer you pray after today will fail to get an answer. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God that springs from faith and leads you to more faith is now your portion. In the name of Jesus, you are one with the Father. You're one with the Holy Ghost. You're one with Jesus. Angels look at you and bow. You are a son of the Most High. You are inside the office of Christ. Whenever you speak, your words come out with power. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I know who I am. 